podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. Two goals in a chaotic two minutes saw the Reds turn a 3-2 loss into a 4-3 win against Fulham on Sunday evening with spectacular goals from Alexis McAllister, Trent Alexander-Arnold and the warrior Wataro Endo lighting up Anfield this past weekend. As City faltered again at the Etihad, Liverpool currently lie second in the table, just two points off league leaders Arsenal, who arrive at Anfield in a few weeks' time. Klopp's side will be keen, therefore, to maintain the momentum and pick up another valuable three points on Wednesday evening as they take on struggling Sheffield United. However, following the imminent sacking of Paul Heckenbottom, which was announced today, the Reds may have to contend with a new manager bounce and what's sure to be a raucous atmosphere at Bramall Lane on Wednesday evening. Joining me on the pod this week to share his insight into the unfortunate hand dealt to Heckenbottom this season, why the decision was made now by the club, uh, the rumours around the return of Chris Wilder and more, I'm delighted to welcome on Alex Stewart, otherwise known maybe as Hal the Blade on Twitter, co-host of the award-winning Sheffield United Way YouTube channel. I think whenever a team gets promotion, you think, right, we'll keep what we've got and add to it, maybe get mm. rid of some dead wood. Well, we certainly didn't do that. We got rid of our two best players and then uh, have brought in a number of new players, which I think have taken quite a time to gel. Uh, we're still waiting for them to gel, in fact. And if they do, great. Maybe they will under uh, new management. But losing Illiman and Die to Marseille and Sander Berger to relegation rivals Burnley, mm. a huge blow. Uh, neither of them, I believe, were the fault of the manager. Uh, I think he would have wanted, obviously, to keep both of them. But I think both of them wanted to go. And when you get a situation like that, sometimes you have to look at it and say, well, contracts running out, you either sell them now for, well, for Sheffield United, a lot of money, or let them go for nothing after they've had a crack at the Premier League and we decided to go with the former option and I think that's probably for a club like Sheffield United uh, when finances are tight that's mm. probably a sensible decision and for those who obviously uh, aren't as close to sort of Sheffield United and perhaps didn't see sort of the the games and the performances last season I mean just how integral were those two players that you just highlighted they obviously centre forward defensive midfielder uh, I'm sure Liverpool fans may have heard of Sander Berger before in terms of a myriad of links between him and variety of clubs actually but um yeah i just wanted to get your insight in terms of how sheffield united were playing the season prior to securing promotion and just how integral those two were well we'd have given you a much better game last season 
we were stronger. We yeah. just we just were. We we're just a better side. Tommy Doyle, absolutely crucial. He's not with us. He's at Wolves. Ely Manandai win, wins games on his own. He was on the bench against Tottenham in the Cup last season, came on a couple of minutes later, scores the winner. Thank you very much. Uh, Sander mm-hmm. Berger, on his day, unplayable, off his day, a complete pony, uh, <laughs> just to <laughs> prance about and look pretty. Uh, he had too many off days for me, uh, but when he was on it, Sander was fantastic and would, would clearly be the strongest and best player in the championship. And when I say strongest, I don't mean physically. <laughs> I mean, in yeah. his ability with the ball, you'd say that that guy should be playing at a higher level. Uh, could never win a header, but everything else, <laughs> you know, for someone as tall as him as well, really surprising. Everything else about his game, a real Rolls Royce. But Illiman, for me, was the best player I've ever seen in a Sheffield United shirt. Wow. And keeping Illiman was crucial. I think he'd have been vital. Any slim chance that we'd have had of staying up, we needed Illiman. The pressure, when it's on, give the ball to Illy, and he'd just take the pressure off because it's very hard to get the ball off Illiman and die. And he can do something really special. He's got trick, he's got technique, that close control. He can cross, he can shoot, he can head the ball, he can tackle. If Illiman ever lost the ball, and it was rare, he'd go and win it back. And you don't get that with every footballer from the minute we first saw him to the minute he left. Illy gave everything. Right, yeah, and I think that's, yeah, pretty obvious why he was so uh, so beloved. And I mean, and actually, I'm going to actually make a note to that you go and check out Illiman and Dai is doing at Marseille. Not to wrap something, I just just want to see this uh, this player that you've described there. Well, my so, uh, my advice would be watch him from last season because he's having a bit of a tough time. Is he? Oh, okay. at Marseille. I think I think he's. I remember. He, I think it was last game. He wasn't quite ready. Maybe game mm. before wasn't quite ready on the bench, and uh, the manager yelled at him and oh, rather right. publicly sort of embarrassed him, and so they might have had a little fallout. So it's not going great. For Illiman at Marseille, but have a look at some of the highlights from last season. Yeah. You'll see what I mean. No, we'll do. And yeah, it's slightly unsurprising about Marseille, given just the just the abundance of uh, of sort of drama uh, that seems to follow that club. To be honest, at, at the best of times, um, I suppose. I mean, just before we go into the players who who did come in, you mentioned they're sort of still waiting for a few of those to gel. Some coming in unexpectedly, given the departures that we just talked about. But um, when you said that, you know we would have given you a better game last season. We were a better side last season. In terms of the way in which um, uh, Heckenbottom had approached sort of uh, building this side and, and, and how he had Sheffield United playing, for those who wouldn't have seen much of Sheffield United in the championship, just describe sort of the approach and sort of the tactical approach that you that you were used to. Well, three at the back. That's been the uh, <laughs> yeah. the formula for a while. Uh, I was going to say since the Chris Wilder days. Well, that <laughs> sounds like Peel a bizarre sentence. Not, not long ago, yeah. But... yeah. It sounds like a bizarre sentence uh, with, with rumours at the moment <laughs> when we're recording. Um, but yeah, three at the back and then two wing-backs that would bomb forward but also have to do so much running. So much running because you've got to get forward but then they've also got to track back and cover. And then sometimes when they were further back, you'd have centre-backs like Anil Ahmed Hodzic getting further forward and uh, doing that sort of attacking role as well as the defensive, uh, sometimes playing more like a defensive midfielder. Uh, we'd push up further than you'd maybe see that would hopefully not be too deep a defensive line. Uh, we were doing a lot of the attacking. Some games, the more difficult games away from home, we'd maybe try and hit teams on the counter. But the majority of the time, certainly at home, we'd take the game to the opposition. And we had players like Oliver Norwood who would just sit, ping the ball out to a fullback who's made a run or a wingback, I probably should say, uh, or someone like James McAtee who kind of floats all around that uh, kind of front, either attack or 
midfield. We'd sometimes have three in the middle, sometimes just go two up top, maybe one or two behind. It was really intricate. And during the game, players would move and change positions and be much tactical switching in terms of the formation, but there'd be just positional changes. And you could watch it during the match and see the free flowing football. And it was a joy to watch last season. And I really think that a lot of memories are short in football. And with it being such a terrible start to this season, people might forget just how good we were. And we didn't just go up. Mm. We got a lot of points. We got a lot of points that in many seasons that would have been enough to win the championship. And I never, ever felt like we weren't going to get promotion automatically last season. That's just how good we looked. And I should add, like this season, we had huge injury problems which the manager managed to contend with. We didn't bring players in because we were under a transfer embargo. We had what we had. The team was a, a team, a proper team. They were gelled. The cohesion was there and they played really well and I loved it. Yeah, no, it actually sounds like it's, um, don't have to turn to turn to anything of a, of a therapy session by any such a <laughs> stretch of the imagination, but like hearing you sort of articulate there just how much good work had gone in to actually get this group together and like, functioning at a high level um naturally i think it is like pretty upsetting to see the way in which like circumstances have conspired the injuries that you mentioned there the key players departing um i, I suppose that brings us on to before we talk to the manager and sort of the task that he was really given um the the players that that, that did come in um in the window after after those two departures that we discussed i mean cameron archer from aston villa um, sort of young 20, um, 21 year old centre forward uh, Gustavo Hama um, defensive midfielder from Coventry uh, Vinny Souza another defensive midfielder from Lamel uh, I think it's uh, Aaron Trusty a young centre back from, from Arsenal and then if I'm not forgetting any here as well Bernie Traore uh, so another young centre forward Anis Slimani uh, centre midfielder um, and then a free transfer I think of Tom Davies as well I'm probably forgetting a few there um, but I mean, on the whole, you can see the philosophy, you can see the age range being targeted as well uh, in terms of sort of the um, having prospects develop for the future. You've talked there, I mean, you're losing like um, integral pieces or sort of like yeah, players that you're used to seeing week in, week out, especially in Dai. Um, it's it's very difficult to, to actually sort of uh, try and legislate for that. Of the players who have come in, I mean, were you, were you happy with the business in terms of sort of the players that were um, sort of profiled and actually in the end made their way like to the club? And uh, you mentioned that a number of them have had a hard time uh, gelling. I suppose the idea around young up-and-coming prospects that will have mm. high resale value is a sensible approach in and in theory. Yeah. But these players that we brought in aren't ready for the Premier League. And I don't want to sound too harsh because they all might end up being superstars. But at the moment, Benny Traore, Vinicius Souza, Luke Thomas, these players haven't looked Premier League quality. And some of them right. I'm surprised about. I thought Vinicius Souza was going to be the Norwood replacement. I think Paul Heckenbottom probably thought that as well. Uh, it hasn't really worked. And Vinicius Souza at the moment is uh, getting pelters from some quarters. I, I'm, I'm never a fan that likes to get on a player's back. Uh, Luke Thomas as well is really coming in for quite a bit of stick. He's on loan from Leicester City. I mean, when you're in the Premier League and you're yeah. you're taking a, a loan player from a championship side to go straight into your first team, that, that obviously is concerning. And the reason we've had to do that is we've got about 900 left wing backs, but they've all been injured. And we brought in Yasser Larusi, another left wing back. He had a, a mare against Manchester City. He hasn't really started since. Uh, Max Lowe, he's been injured. 
Ben Osborne, who I like, not in favour at left wing back and has been injured for a long time. He's back now, but not not being picked at that position. I think that's one of his best positions. Uh, but the main man has been Reese Norrington Davis, and he got injured over a year ago. And a bit like Rian Brewster, just can't seem to shake the injuries. Uh, Jack O'Connell, of course, a player that was so integral to us. His injury was so serious, the, the poor man had to retire. Uh, we've suffered terrible injuries. Chris Basham, a mainstay, he's been with us since 2014. Not only out for the season, but you look at his injury and you think, I wonder if he'll ever play again. Uh, John Egan, our captain, out for possibly the season, maybe slightly less. Tom Davies, who you mentioned, injured uh, almost straight away. Uh, we haven't really seen him. It's been injury-wise an absolute disaster. Daniel Jebison, a young, promising striker, scored against Everton in the Premier League under Paul Heckingbottom. Uh, interested teams have apparently been the likes of Bayern Munich. Uh, injured. Not not chance to see him, and we'll probably lose him when his contract runs out for nothing. Hmm. Uh, it's 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 all been so frustrating, and so much of it you feel isn't anyone's fault. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely the picture that I'm getting here in terms of so. But you 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 could have prepared you know, the best laid plans, and and hmm. and, and that scale of uh, absence through injuries is, is is obviously devastating. Um, I, I suppose then with all that to contend with at the start of the season, I mean. Uh, how did fans rate his, uh, Heckenbottom's chances of actually pu- pulling that job off? It's a great question because actually a lot of fans have turned on Hecky and I bet those are the same fans that probably thought, you know what, it's going to be a struggle this season. Uh, without the injuries, it would have been a struggle because the Premier League has actually moved on since we were last here. The, the money is ridiculous. The, the kind of fees that are being thrown around and I've got, I won't get into it. I'll get on my soapbox if I start getting into how I think the, the game is going and the disparity and the hope that's being killed. But it would always be difficult. So you'd have to be players playing at their best mm. pretty much every game and hope that your team you're playing against has an off day because player for player, the teams we're coming up against, probably 17 of the teams we're coming up against, are better than us. And I, th- I don't think I'm being unkind there. I do believe in our squad. I think we've got some really good players. But I think the injuries have been so, so many, um, so serious, so terrible timing, such a crucial positions. And we've we've got a squad that is exactly the 25-man squad. So when you lose... 13 players that's that's difficult that's difficult for any team to overcome but also when you haven't you just haven't got the depth it's going to be impossible for a newly promoted side so i really feel for paul heckenbottom because he hasn't become a bad manager overnight and what he did when he took over the club we were a club only going one way i don't need a vpn i've got nothing to hide (laughs) this is what i used to tell myself before i hooked up with libertyshield.com Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, 
making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. And that was down. And he decided, well, forget that. We are going to get out of this division, but we're going to go the other way. And he really transformed us in a very short time and worked with what he already had. You know, he was under a transfer embargo, as I mentioned, for most of last season. He's only brought mm. in a few players. And the ones he has brought in prior to this season have been hits. Yeah, I suppose then. I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to it, but then I suppose the question is, is going to be uh, how how the hierarchy of the club expects uh, another manager to turn it around without a uh, some support you'd imagine in terms of well perhaps additional players in january if that's if that's feasible um but again i think the factors you've outlined there are really um out of a manager's control and you'd imagine given the success that Bottom had that he had the buy-in of the group you know he's, it's it's not a case of a manager necessarily you know, the players not believing in the manager's approach it sounds like there's, there's plenty of different factors there that are perfectly understandable but I mean before we get on to the manager's departure I mean how did how did Heckenbottom try and go about this obviously you mentioned sort of the the poor the sort, of, sort of start to the season I mean, we're away in at this stage but given those factors given the absences I mean how did he try and set up Sheffield United to at least obviously be competitive uh Oh, as competitive as they could be. Well, I guess it was hard to know what he was saying, but from a, from the outlook, it certainly looked like, and this is going to sound disparaging, mm. and I'm sorry, but it certainly looked like our plan was you have the ball. Right. And when you don't have the ball, we'll try and hit you on the break, get a goal, <laughs> and then sit back. And actually, yeah. you know, Tottenham away, Manchester City at home, we, we put up a proper fight. That's what we as fans expected, and we would have been quite happy seeing those kind of performances because that was grit, resolve, endeavor, giving everything and being unlucky. And we really were unlucky in those games. We we probably deserved at least two points from those games. We ended up with nothing, but mm. we played really well. And that's that's early on in the season what we thought we'd see. We thought we would go down with a fight if we're going to go down. What we've mm. seen since then has been the fight has gone. And that's probably what's cost Paul Heckingbottom is the performances right. rather than the results. We don't expect to be beating every team we expect to be putting up a fight and not getting hammered uh, newcastle 8-0 arsenal 5-0 burnley 5-0 totally unacceptable and we played burnley last season and put five past them with very similar players so this doesn't make sense what's happened in that time and so then i don't know what's gone off behind the scenes you mentioned there's that been that buy-in from players i believe that What's happened since then? Has has he? I, I don't believe he's the kind of man that would lose a dressing room. But it's hard as a fan to watch what I've watched and see the lack of confidence, the heads dropping, the lack of fight, the tackling has been a disgrace. And that's what Alan Shearer described it as on match of the day against Burnley. Three tackles were lost in the first few seconds, and we conceded after sixteen seconds. That can't happen, mm. and that's schoolboy stuff. And I don't know where that comes from. If it stems from the management, even if it, I mean, there's no way that Paul Hackingbottom's told them to go out there and not win three tackles. It's no way, but it's happening. And unfortunately in football, you don't sack 25 players. You sack, you sack the manager. That's just the way it is. You know, the head, the snake rots from the head down, whatever the saying is. Um, out of and, interest, and like th- those injuries that you described there, were there any, I mean, I'm just complete, complete speculation, but out of interest, were any of those injuries, um, like, did they involve just players going in for tackles and getting horrendous 
horrendous knock. Oh, I mean, you, you, I'm trying you to understand why players would be reluctant to. You to couldn't tackle. make it up. You couldn't make up our injuries. I mean, Max Lowe, I mentioned, injured himself in preseason at Derby away, treading on a sprinkler. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't laugh. That's 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 not great. That's really. No, I not. mean, uh, Rian Brewster injured himself shoulder barging uh, a player in the game yeah. because he was frustrated. These are you cannot legislate. Uh, for these sorts of things. There, there have been blades that have speculated that Paul Heckingbottom has a history of injuries at clubs he's been at before, and there's been some people that have looked into that. And there has, um, there has I've been told, been research into why Sheffield United are picking up so many injuries. It's something that the board wanted to get right. to the bottom of. You know, soft tissue injuries seem to be a consistent theme with Sheffield United. And sure. is there something that the manager is getting them to do in training? Maybe like a, too much sprinting? I don't know. It's not my area. Mm. But Maybe. And if that was the case, then that, that can be remedied. You can just stop doing that thing that is causing this. No, of course. Yeah. I think if there's, if there's an underlying sports science reason that can be, that can be sort of identified and remedied. Yeah. Then that would obviously help with some of these, certainly the soft tissue injuries. Yeah. Uh, looking at the results, I mean, I'm struck, obviously there, there are those big score lines that you talked about the eight nil, um, Newcastle, five new Arsenal, and most recently the Burnley defeat. Uh, but the, the, as you mentioned, there are there are results in there where you see Sheffield United losing by the odd goal, um, you know, tight games, which is I suppose what you'd expected to have seen from the side. You know, as you mentioned, fighting, like maybe being edged out by superior quality here and there, but the, you know, tight games, like and, and and keeping it tight to give themselves the best possible chance. Uh, any, I mean, you mentioned there sort of Heckenbottom's approach was to try and sit, counter, um, make the most of those opportunities and then just you know, deep defensive block, it, seems, it sounds like. Um, the sacking then, I suppose, it's, it's unavoidable, right? We've, you know, we're speaking on the 4th of December. Uh, the suggestions are that that sacking should be confirmed soon. Let me know if it has been con- confirmed already, but it seems like it's not yet been formally announced. And you mentioned as well rumours around who may be uh, in the wings to to come in um wilder to to return to uh Sheffield United would be yeah a pretty interesting turnaround uh just give me your thoughts it sounds like lots of sympathy for the manager from yourself i imagine from many amongst the fan base just give me your thoughts on the decision being made and and being made now as well yeah i, I think the timing's bizarre i really do i feel like if it was going to happen it should have happened earlier um, if it, as I say, if it was going to happen at all, I'd love to know actually if he has lost the dressing room. There's only one way to know that, of course, that's to be in the dressing room, and I, and I can't possibly know that. Yeah. As you know, if it is Chris Wilder, and all signs suggest that it is, bringing back Alan Nil, his trusty assistant, set piece guru. That's exciting. Matt Prestridge will come with him. He's excellent. Knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, might keep Jack Lester involved, a former Sheffield United striker, very very popular member of the club um, and Keith Andrews, the former Blackburn Rovers midfielder who's been involved in the Island setup. He's apparently going to come back in as well. You know, it might work, uh, but there's a lot of, there's a lot to be done and we're really, we're really far off it. We're behind the eight ball and at the moment we're set to get the lowest points total in Premier League history. It would be a real turnaround. A heck, I could say, uh, maybe not. <laughs> Poor hacking Bob, but a heck of a turnaround if it's going to happen, and it needs to happen quickly, and it actually needs to happen on Wednesday night against Liverpool, a match that no one will give us a prayer. Uh, but you know, Chris Wilder's performed a few miracles before. 
you know, I have to say I'm not not particularly uh, looking forward to the uh, the prospect of a new manager bounce um, and uh, a focus on set pieces. Yeah, not not necessarily looking forward to that. Um, I think I'm not going to try and compare the the injury crisis or sort of the depth of quality and things like that. But uh, there are a few out. There are a few out. <laughs> I think Allison being out, uh, Matip pulling up with an injury. It sounds like it's going to be a bad one. He'll be out for this game. Uh, Robertson's been out for months uh, and well, likely won't be back until the new year as well. So, yeah, plenty of um, like able deputies to come in and help out. But yeah, you do you do sort of lose track a little bit of of how they sort of mount up, especially when we get to this month of the uh, um, of the year, this point in the season. Uh, do you expect that appointment to be made? Then you'd imagine by by the time that uh, Sheffield United welcome Liverpool on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I do. You mentioned Alisson, by the way, a little fun fact. I oh, yes. don't live too too far away from uh, his brother, Muriel. Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. That's, uh, that's, that's not a joke. That's, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I expect it to be, I expect it to happen. And uh, I think he'll be in the dugout for the Liverpool game. I think it will give every Blades fan a, mm. a boost. I think the first 20 minutes will be a raucous Bramall Lane. And then I think Liverpool will score and it'll all quiet down and we'll be <laughs> back to normal. I had to see. I had to see. Uh, I think. Um, I think Liverpool may have used up their uh, allocation of wonder goals in one in one game, uh, given sort of how things transpired against Fulham. Fulham yesterday. Uh, just on on Wilder. You know, obviously his previous success at the club. I'm sure he's still well liked amongst the fan base, despite how things ended up um, you know, finishing for him at the club. But um, I mean, do you think this is this is the logical appointment? This is a, an appointment you. You sound enthusiastic and positive about. I think it's going to get like well, should should hopefully promote provoke a reaction from the fans and the players alike. Um, just your thoughts on the appointment in general, and if, if if there were any other options you'd even considered. There's loads of other options. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would consider. Which ones were you considering? Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not involved in the uh, discussions of uh, who's going to be. The new manager, and if I was, I would obviously think about uh, Chris Wilder because he's he was a great manager and the most successful Sheffield United manager in my life. But mm-hmm. if I was to go a different route, yeah, then uh, Fabian Hertzler, the St. Pauli manager, a U.S.-born, English-speaking head coach at St. Pauli, uh, he's very young. He's only just turned thirty. He is one that I think is going to be on a lot of chairman's radars over the next few years and I would like to be the club that takes a punt on someone as exciting and the way he gets St. Pauli playing I watch a lot of Bundesliga spy Bundesliga 2 mm. um, because I think it's the most exciting league on earth and I think that might be a controversial opinion but I, I'm slightly disillusioned with a number of top leagues as I've mentioned to you sort of already with the disparity and uh, anyone can beat anyone in Bundesliga spy and so I enjoy it and I've watched the way St. Pauli have developed under him and I think this is a manager this is someone who gets the very best out of uh, his, his charges because he's sort of taken over a team that uh, was very poor, not doing very well, couldn't buy a win and kept the same players and they're top of the league. And that impresses me. So I would I would maybe go, you know, we're going we're gonna to go down, let's be realistic. So I would maybe look at something that's going to uh, be for the long term. You know, Chris Wilder's great and he could be for the long term. He's 56. Mm. He's, that's slightly older than who I've just mentioned. And I think this could be one that you'd look at and go, right, we're, We'll, we'll go down this season, but we'll 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 go with the championship next season, and we can actually push for promotion with a long term vision, a long term plan. Let's bring this man in uh, who can do that. Now it might be Chris that does that, 
it might be. And he might have the kind of Roy Hodgson-like uh, career and, and be a manager for many, many more years. And I really hope that's the case because I'm talking to you now with a laptop in front of me that I'm using, which has a Chris Wilder sticker on it, which has been on it for <laughs> years because I love Chris Wilder. But there's a part of me that's worried that he will taint his legacy and it, he will ruin what he's yeah. done. And he got us to finish ninth in the Premier League. That is absolutely brilliant. And we should have finished higher. And I'm I'm absolutely convinced that had a COVID pandemic not happened, we would have finished higher. We'd have been in Europe and it would have transformed my beloved club. Yeah. No, it's that it does sound like a unifying figure to come back into the club and yeah, as I said, hopefully provoke the the sort of reaction that you want. Uh, out of interest, I mean, did you get the really interesting sort of um sort of outline there of Hertzler and the way in which he's uh Hassan Pauli playing at the moment and sort of, a, I think, an exciting coach to to keep eyes on. But um, do you get the impression that, I mean, if, let's say, Wilder is appointed, any indications whatsoever at this stage that it could be a, a shorter appointment? Yeah, but like, as you say, maybe maybe there's even some apprehension from Wilder about tainting his legacy as well. And it could be a sort of a a uh, stopgap solution yeah, till the end of the season. I mean, no, I don't, I don't I think so. I don't, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so either. I think this, this can't be a stopgap to the end of the season. We've got so many contracts running out. You need someone that's going to sort that out. Of course. Uh, yeah. So no, it, it won't be that it will be, I don't know how long the contract will be, but my guess would be sort of a year and a half initially. And then just, See how we kick on. I think that realistically, he's not going to be judged on this season, 24 more games that everyone expects us to lose. He'll be judged on the start of next season, probably in the championship. If he can pull up a miracle and we stay up, that'll be the greatest achievement in my <laughs> life. And I will genuinely be so happy. I'll be delirious with joy and I, I want nothing more than that. But it probably isn't going to happen. And so then you look at, well, how will he begin the championship next season? That will really be the test. And do you know what? If we start well, fantastic. If we start badly, we could be looking back on this decision on the 4th of December as a pivotal one in Sheffield United's future. And in terms of the the timing, we mentioned slightly odd timing um, 4th of December is where it's, it's muted that, yeah, this, the sacking is now imminent. Um, do you get the impression, obviously sort of different um, levels of finances available for the club, as you've already alluded to, they're sort of you know, the best league in the world and just how competitive these leagues are. Um, the, the timing now, do you get the impression that uh, Wilder will receive or will be expecting any backing in, in January to make any signings that are more, I don't know, players akin to maybe what he will want to try and do for the rest of the season or not? There's a few issues, I suppose. We haven't got any money, uh, mm. which is a big one. But if he That's was to one. sell players to then, you know, obviously garner some income, I fear that we've not got too many high-value assets at the moment because actually their value has decreased because yeah. even players like Anil Ahmed Hodzic, who I think would be a a, a tasty and tantalising prospect for many clubs to sign. His um, his stock's gone down because he's having such a, a bad time of it. Uh, but hopefully that'll change under Wilder. He can get a tune out of the players that aren't performing. I'm sure he can. But he'd have to move players on. We've actually got, I mentioned it, all, most of them are injured, but we've got a full squad in terms of how many players you can register in the Premier League. So we'd have to either unregister some players and still pay them, which for a club short of cash seems ludicrous, mm. or you have to sell them. And I'm not sure how many clubs are going to buy, for example, John Fleck in in the kind of current form that he's in and his injury record, because he's been out for a, a long time this season. He's just coming back. And he's not he's not the John Fleck of old, because the John Fleck of old would have been worth twelve million. The current John Fleck isn't worth two hundred thousand. Yeah, no, it certainly presents challenges if you were trying to sort of look for for new players to come in naturally, as you say, I mean yeah, a lack of money being the being the fundamental one. I suppose then, I mean, 
throwing you into the dugout for a second, uh, along with Chris, um, there just to see, uh, like, what would your approach be to the rest of the season in terms of any changes to sort of how, I mean, how you think, well, obviously positive results, but like in terms of like a change to the tactical approach of the team to, to, to try and get the most out of the remaining games, as you say, there, the expectations are. Um, are not high for the rest of the season. Um, but what would you, is there anything that you would change tactically you think that, that might give you a, a slightly bit more of an edge? I actually like three at the back. I've been mm. a big fan of it since Nigel Spackman in the 997. Our manager started us playing like that. Uh, but I'm also a fan of wingers. We don't have any wingers, so we probably can't do too much. Uh, you know, I'd like to see us have a few plan B options. Chris Wilder yeah. famously didn't have too many of those. Maybe a four at the back occasionally when it suits, depending on who we're playing. I think realistically, he's probably going to go with a kind of three at the back, your two wing backs. I think he'll probably play one up top, maybe another in behind. He's got to get that right because Cameron Archer can't play as a 10. You know, he is a pace merchant. He needs to be your out and out striker. Maybe, you know, with flick ons from Ollie McBurney setting up Archer to, to burst past two slower defenders. That probably needs to be the sort of way that we go. Uh, I think we're going to have to make do with the players we have. And Wilder's going to have to figure it out. He's going to have to figure it out very quickly. Yeah, it feels like quite a sober. Uh, yeah, welcome back chat from, from Wilder to the squad and, and, and in terms of sort of hit just the options available to him for the rest of the season. Mm. Uh, first and foremost, then Wednesday night, as you, you're expecting the manager to be announced by then, uh, as you said, should be a raucous atmosphere for the first 20 sort of minutes or so will be important for um, well, Liverpool to sort of ride that um, that period for, for certain. How are you expecting Chris Wilder, if, he, if he's in the dugout, to to approach that game um, and you know, taking lessons as well, I suppose, from... Um, some of the previous matches against, um, well, Newcastle and Arsenal anyway, in terms of sort of obviously trying to avoid any any big score lines, but like obviously wanting to, you know, provide a performance for the fans after such a yeah. big decision. Blood and Thunder, get stuck in, win your tackles, mm. show some grit, show some determination, but also play a bit of football because we can. And he saw that before. We've taken teams like Manchester United apart for a half this season and under Chris Wilder when we put three past them in that season that we finished ninth. We've done it before. He knows we can do it. We beat Arsenal under him, Tottenham, Chelsea, you know, these big names at Bramall Lane. We know the recipe. He knows what to do. He'll certainly get them fired. Absolutely, and no, I'm expecting it to be, yeah, a uh, a tough atmosphere to contend with. Um, and I think uh, you, you, for Liverpool, very important to start off on the with the right sort of intent. Um, no, no ounce of complacency here at all. But I think that's exactly what you can you can end up falling into a into a trap if you do that. And I think you know, Liverpool's performance at Luton actually was a very good example of um, of that. Actually, I think well, attitude was right, but if you don't take your chances, you always leave it open for. Uh, the, obviously, a, a boost in confidence from from the home fans. I'm expecting a tough atmosphere. Um, and how? Just want to thank you again for for coming on. That was a busy day with the news breaking, um, but yeah, really appreciate your your insight. And of course, best of luck for for the remainder of the season. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, and just to all those uh, listening, and just before we wrap things up here, of course, rival recons coming thick and fast at this time of the, of the year, given how the fixtures are coming thick and fast as well. So there will be another one ahead of Saturday's game, uh, early kickoff, would you believe it? Yes, again, uh, <laughs> away to Crystal Palace. So there'll be another pod ahead of that game. Uh, so do tune in uh, ahead of that one. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. 
please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.